Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news as well as insight and analysis into all the subjects you're talking about in football. I'm Ian McGarry and with me as always is Duncan Castles. Do not accept cheap imitations because they just repeat what Duncan says and sometimes what I say as well. But of course, as Oscar Wilde said, the most flattering thing is to be imitated. So with that in mind, let's get through the day's agenda. We've got news for you on Manchester City, on Robert Lewandowski, an interest from the Premier League, Kylian Mbappe, Juventus finances and an interesting structured deal that they have done for Manuel Locatelli, as well as Celtic and Brighton and the return of the donkey. Speaking of donkey, Duncan, uh, Robert Lewandowski uh, has, I think, none too subtly um, <laughs> let it be known that he is uh, unhappy with his current situation at Bayern Munich. Uh, clearly a player who is a complete legend uh, at the Bundesliga club, uh, but also one who is out of contract in two years' time. He's is 32 now and uh, is the highest paid player at the club. His agent, who is um, Pini Zahavi, I could probably call Pini a transfer master, can I? <laughs> you um, just, ask, just ask Pini. I'm I'll sure ask he'd Pini, love it. yes. I will, I will. Transfer guru Pini Zahavi um, has been working behind the scenes to find out what interest there is in his client. Uh, and this uh, is because Lewandowski is unhappy with the fact that Bayern have refused to open negotiations on an extended contract for him. As I said, age 32, he has two years left, but feels he can play at least two years more, if not beyond that. Lewandowski has been offered to Liverpool to Manchester United and to Manchester City, each of whom have expressed a tepid amount of uh, interest in the player regarding um, the possibility of signing him. However, each of them has also said that the €110 million, which Bayern are leaking to the German media, that they would require to allow Lewandowski to leave would be far too much for a player who is that age and two years out of contract this summer. It's also our information that Lewandowski himself uh, would probably prefer to stay at Munich, and that would be unsurprising given his long association with the club. One uh, source very close to Bayern has told us that if Bayern were to sell 
the Poland International, then fans of the club would probably burn down the Allianz Arena, uh, which is a bit strong, but at the same time, not really unexpected given Lewandowski's goal-scoring record and indeed trophy hall uh, that he has contributed massively to over his career there. Um, Duncan, this is a very interesting one, um, especially with regards to Manchester City, as I see it, because City obviously still involved in a stalemate with Tottenham Hotspur and their pursuit of Harry Kane. Lewandowski, okay, is four years older, but is very much still a proven goal scorer, someone who um, could certainly do a job in the Premier League. Could this just be leverage uh, to get uh, Bayern to come to the table and extend his contract? Or do you believe that it's a genuine... Um, because remember, the actual briefing that was given was that he is looking for a new challenge. Obviously, English football would be that new challenge. But at the same time, um, as uh, someone famously once said, there's no place like home. I think you've got a market at the moment where people know that there is a vast sum of money um, in a tight market in general waiting to sign strikers. Real Madrid have got that money and they've been saving that money up for a long time. They're still um, adding to their pile by doing things like um, selling Martin Udegaard to Arsenal as they've done this week in order to sign Kylian Mbappé which they believe there is still a possibility of being done in this window. Manchester City very openly trying to get Harry Kane, um, the top striker in the, in the Premier League, to move from Tottenham to the north of England. Kane wants to move. Um, the sums being talked about are huge. Um, the initial bid was £100 million and City are indicating that they're prepared to go substantially above that, albeit including players from their camp who want to leave. And Pep Guardiola has openly said that he has three or four players, um, most notably Bernardo Silva, who are ready and want to leave the club uh, as part of that deal. There's big wages on offer to Harry Kane from Manchester City. Um, you mentioned Liverpool is one of the clubs that Lewandowski has been offered to. Uh, you also uh, last week reported that Liverpool are planning um, a new centre forward um, and have money set aside for that. And they also have their sights set on killing Mbappe, though they know that's going to be a difficult deal to do. Um, I think offering Lewandowski to Liverpool is particularly ambitious because uh, he is 32 years of age and that does not fit FSG's um, working method in the transfer market. He's already very heavily paid. I believe his, his maximum salary at Bayern at present is worth 20 million euros gross per season. So I, I don't think they're going to get a bite there. Manchester United, we know long-term are in the market for a centre forward. Um, they've retained Edinson Cavani for this season, but they were there was a point at which they were considering bringing a new striker in, and that's still in their plans. And I think if you catch them at the right moment um, with the right player, a deal can possibly be done there. So it's no surprise that Zahavi is offered to those three um, 
players in the market and no surprise that it's being done at this late stage. Um, and you've given us the motivation. Lewandowski's not happy that his achievements at Bayern, which are substantial, he's entering his eighth season at the club. He scored 297 goals in, in 331 games for him. He's just come off a season where he scored 41 in 29 Bundesliga games, which is you know, obviously a sensational return. Um, he feels undervalued. Um, and the, you have this talk... Uh, springing up around Bayern Munich that they are lining up Erling Haaland as his replacement. So it's a good time to try and get that new contract if you're Lewandowski. But um, we, I think we we went into this market talking about how important strikers were and how the movements of certain strikers were going to determine how dominoes fell uh, and what ha else happened. And I think we're still there. You know, with just with less than two weeks to go, we're very much in that process of does Kylian Mbappe move this summer? Do Madrid put that money across to Paris Saint-Germain immediately? Because if they do, I will be incredibly surprised if Paris Saint-Germain do not respond by going out and making a significant signing um, to dampen down the headlines of losing their, their star Frenchman. And I think this is an important factor here. Their star player from their own country against their will um, at the tail end of the market. They've had the most showy market of anyone and they've been uh, boasting about it and talking about how they must win every game, not just win every trophy, but win every game. Um, I don't see Qatar taking it lightly if Mbappe gets his way, if Florentino Perez gets his way and goes to Madrid and then there's money to be spent. Um, a replacement comes in. Um, you could, for example, see... Paris Saint-Germain deciding if they lose Mbappe that the player to replace him with is Paul Pogba who we know is running down his contract um, French national team player so you get a new star Frenchman in um, which leaves money in, in Manchester United's hands to work on the areas of the team that they are still targeting um, and which they've said they will do if they can they can make a transfer happen Let's add another player to this. Again, something we've known about and reported on the podcast since um, ahead of the window. Juventus want to move Cristiano Ronaldo out. Um, they have been working on that throughout. Um, it's been done very discreetly in the sense that at no point will Juventus say publicly they want to sell Cristiano Ronaldo but Max Allegri's plan has been one in which he would like Ronaldo's wages taken off the wage bill so he can restructure elsewhere. Um, they don't have a lot of cash at the moment, which we have seen in the, the Manuel Locatelli deal, which I think we can we can talk about the, the dynamics of that later. Um, he is building his attack, his plan for the attack around Dybala um, because... Uh, he would like Ronaldo to be out and Dybala is a player he trusts um, and has worked with before and feels he can he can build the best attack that's possible to him in the circumstances um, minus Ronaldo with Dybala at the lead but the money will be needed from from Ronaldo's deal to get a new contract to Dybala. So there are a lot of things in play at the moment which may click into place in this last week 
and, and really substantial sums of money sitting, waiting to be spent in certain areas. And obviously, if that cane deal goes through, if uh, if if that's the um, the 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 biggest transfer, Tottenham Hotspur have to um, come and bring in their replacement striker and. We know that their principal target is Dusan Vlaovic and you've got the Fiorentina president, um, Rocco Comiso, talking about Vlaovic and saying there are lots of teams interested in him, um, but I won't even put a price on him because he knows that um, there's the opportunity for his club to benefit from that cash that's that's sitting waiting to be spent if one of these big deals uh, happens in the next uh, week and a half. I think it is interesting, Duncan, and of course, you know, you and I are uh, long enough in the game uh, to uh, know the different variables which are factors in transfers and how clubs operate, how agents operate um, with regards to um, forcing or not uh, persuading, let's just say, moves um, for uh, certain players. Now, if... If City were to declare, and and I mean even privately, because as as everyone knows, a lot of stuff goes on um, under the radar, um, but is heard uh, in terms of uh, other clubs. Uh, therefore, for instance, Pinizavi has a very good relationship with Daniel Levy um, at Tottenham. If City were to um, express a solid interest in Lewandowski, then Levy's going to get to hear about that. He's thinking, oh, am I going to lose the fee on Kane here because City are going to plump for someone else uh, and therefore the merry-go-round suddenly um, hits the buffers and something has to give, as it were. Um, And at the same time, City benefit probably from that situation as well because uh, Levy might be more amenable to coming closer to City's valuation of Harry Kane um, and what they're prepared to pay around £125 million um, rather than let uh, the opportunity to sell the player um, at his optimum value um, at the time in his career when he can achieve the optimum value for Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, What is uh, interesting as well, though, as you have pointed out is uh, the Cristiano Ronaldo situation a player who is clearly still super fit still performing at the highest level um, someone who is uh, undoubtedly one of the, the game's superstars and interest in Cristiano from Manchester City um, I'm told uh, very reliably that Real Madrid will will not look to re-sign Ronaldo, uh, they are m- absolutely focused on Kylian Mbappe, uh, and obviously the salary and transfer fee that that will require, should it be done in this window, is uh, going to take up their budget with regards to um, the biggest spend of the the summer, and indeed their biggest spend potentially uh, that they've ever had. Therefore. Ronaldo has to find a different new home, as it were. But 
I'm kind of reminded here of the old Welcome to Manchester poster when Carlos Davis joined Manchester City from Manchester United uh, and the idea that Ronaldo would go to City uh, rather than go back to United, which has been mooted, to be fair, um, is one which is very uh, intriguing and also quite controversial, really, because Ronaldo has said on several occasions that he sees... Manchester United as kind of his spiritual football home, um, given that he left Sporting Lisbon at a very early age for Old Trafford and obviously considers Sirach Ferzen as a, a father figure to him. But at the same time, his wages are around 900,000 uh, euros per week. Uh, and Probably City or PSG are the only two clubs who could afford to match that and pay him uh, if he were to move from Juventus. And Juventus themselves have great financial problems with what they can spend and not. And it's a situation which needs to be resolved. Um, And Cristiano himself, despite... uh, criticising people who have made comments about um, his availability or indeed the opportunity of him moving this summer did leave the door open with regards to what may happen. And so uh, when you tell us that uh, it is the case that Juventus want him uh, out of the club because of the financial um, burden of his salary and are willing to... Uh, take a hit on his transfer fee, which was around I think, 86 million euros when he left Real Madrid, then that is in itself going to be a, a huge, huge deal um, in the next 11 days. Look, there's no question that Juventus would be delighted if Manchester City could be convinced to take Cristiano Ronaldo. They their their priority is is purely financially driven. It's not a sporting issue. It is um, that they are committed to too much salary for Ronaldo, and COVID has hit them hard. Um, you can see the extent of that in, in how they put together the Locatelli deal. Uh, Locatelli wanted to move to Juventus. He he was their uh, their principal target in midfield. They had to concoct a uh, structure in which he comes on a two year loan where I'm told they will pay nothing to Sassuolo for the first two years and an obligation to buy at 35 million euros in 2023. Now, obviously, that has to be done with um, the consent of Sassuolo, a club that's done a lot of business with Juventus in the past and guidance is that basically they 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 helped them to make this happen um, when they had money on the table, um, which would have come quicker. From uh, from Arsenal, Locatelli wanting to go to Juventus, but that that shows you the 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 state that Juventus's finances are in. Therefore, find a club to move them to. As you say, Real Madrid have ruled themselves out. Paris Saint Germain have gone in another direction. Um, Manchester United have been offered and haven't bitten so far. Um, you can see where the proposal comes from because, as I said, there's you know. 100 million pounds plus of transfer fee, um, agents, commissions, uh, a big salary that's been budgeted by Manchester City to bring a centre forward in. And the argument would be, well, here you can have a player who is a proven scorer, 
particularly in the Champions League, that trophy that you you desperately want to win, uh, to beat Qatar as Abu Dhabi to be the first Middle East owners to win the, the Champions League. Here you can have a guy who excels in the Champions League um, for a lower cost uh, or an equivalent cost across the, the, the duration of the contract to what you're prepared to pay for Harry Kane, who's younger, but... Um, arguably not in as good physical condition and in terms of uh, availability on the pitch. Uh, his track record of availability on the pitch was not as good as, as Ronaldo's. Um, and who you probably won't be able to to take any of that transfer fee back in the future should you choose to move him anyway. It's, it's essentially money that's going into one star striker um, with no uh, no return expected on it. So you can see why the proposal makes sense and um, particularly with Levy in that situation where he's been playing hardball with City and uh, and dragging it out and everyone is waiting to see what Levy's true intentions are. Um, as you said, uh, the Lewandowski offer could have been benefit to to Manchester City in terms of putting pressure on Levy. From that perspective, I don't think Pep Guardiola's helped very much because he was asked about Lewandowski in today's press conference and said, next question, he's such an important player for Bayern Munich and he will stay at Bayern Munich. Uh, I'm not going to talk with 11 days left about the transfer market. So he doesn't really seem to have got the memo if the idea was uh, let's let's shove Daniel Levy down the line and get him back to the negotiating table and get a, a solution to this and get Harry Kane in. To be fair, Pep did say something similar about Leo Messi finishing his career at Barcelona. <laughs> we all know how that ended up. Uh, that didn't age well, Pep. Um, we know you're listening. Um, well, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not slow to criticise Pep Guardiola when he deserves it, but I don't think any of us expected uh, Barcelona to be the ones to turf Messi out. Uh, well, it was, La, it was La Liga, wasn't it, who didn't ratify the contract because of FFP. So I guess... You know, we can criticise Juan Laporta all we like with regards to being the man who lost Barcelona's greatest ever player. But in actual fact, it was a combination of circumstances. Um, so yes, you're right, Duncan. Um, it wasn't exactly, uh, you know, the fault of the club um, or indeed their decision uh, unilaterally uh, that Messi joined Paris Saint-Germain. Um, however... Uh, in the case of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Juventus, uh, it does seem that is a relationship which is uh, destined to end sooner rather than later. Um, it'd be brilliant to see him back in English football. And as I said, you know, he is super fit and still extremely competitive. Um, however, the salary is something which is... Um, certainly a handicap in terms of who can afford it but if anyone can City can um, Pep's never worked with Cristiano Ronaldo uh, but has obviously worked with other superstar players um, so it would be interesting um, should City decide that that would be an investment worth taking Duncan you broke the story about the Monaco defensive midfielder Aurelien Chumeni, uh, with regards to interest from the Premier League. And I believe you have an update with interest from Chelsea in the player. 
Yeah, we, we, we said on an earlier podcast that um, Manchester United were monitoring his situation, had been in touch with his rep- representatives. Um, Monaco currently volume at 40 million euros. Uh, they are halfway through their Champions League playoff with Shakhtar Donetsk. They lost the home leg 1-0. If they go out next week, then the expectation is that their valuation of Tumene will be reduced and he will be accessible at a lower price than that. Um, as we said, also being watched by essentially all the top clubs in Europe, Juventus amongst them, they have now done Locatelli. So I think they are out of the equation for this um, particular transfer. I just add a little note on Juventus and and since we're talking about Manchester United at the same time, they have during the summer proposed a swap deal um, for Nemanja Matic, uh, which would have seen Aaron Ramsey going in the other direction to United, but was rejected by um, Manchester club. But uh, Chelsea are one of those interested clubs. And again, my information is that they have been in direct contact with the players camp and uh advise them that they won't make an offer at this stage, but um, given, depending on what happens in the final days of the market, depending on which players they can sell, and and we know that Chelsea probably employ as many players as any other club in in European football with their extensive uh, loan army, um, depending on on, on how they can uh, rearrange their finances from sales, then they could possibly move for Tumini in, in the final day. So again, um, yeah, we're getting a lot of stuff concertinered in, into the, the, the final weeks of the market, which isn't a surprise because of the, the the dynamics of it. There's a little bit of extra cash being pushed in by the CVC deal uh, being accepted by La Liga. And uh, a lot of these players, younger players who clubs want to take because they see them developing and having increasing value down the line. Um, a lot of them, I think the transactions might happen in those final days and, and too many definitely want to pay attention to, to see how that develops. I think you're absolutely correct in calling that Duncan with regards to um, what happens in the final few days of the window. Um, all of the uh, indications I've had uh, from speaking to uh, chief executives and recruitment uh, departments uh, around Europe uh, as well as in the EPL um, have been that they expect to do business um, in that final week or so. Um, Again, I've said it before, I don't understand the logic in that because prices go up, not down, uh, when you get to uh, the uh, biting edge of uh, the market closing. But uh, that's the way football operates. Um, moving slightly down the Premier League, although not that far because Brighton and Hove Albion are in eighth place uh, currently after one game, um, having won their opening match of the season at Burnley. And uh, they have been involved and continue uh, to be interested in signing a new number nine or certainly not a number nine because Neil Mopi has that jersey, but a new striker. Uh, we've reported in the past about uh, their um, pursuit of uh, Odson Edward, which 
seems to have stalled, if not halted, with regards to Celtic's demands um, on the uh, guaranteed price of the France International, a name which is an interesting one, has come into uh, the debate with regards to uh, potentially coming to Brighton, and that is Darwin Nunez, Duncan. And I understand that you've obviously done some research on on Nunez, uh, and perhaps this would be a little bit of a risk um, for a player who's young and perhaps slightly volatile. Yeah, I think Nunez has been on on Brighton's um, recruitment list for quite some time now. They tried last summer to get him in. Um, Benfica threw a huge uh, amount of money at that that deal. It was something that their their incoming coach George Jesus wanted, um, with the idea that they'd make a significant cha- challenge in the Champions League and regain the uh, Portuguese title. That went horribly wrong. Um, record transfer fee paid for him. Uh, scored just six goals from twenty nine league appearances um, for. Benfica last season, 14 goals in, in total. He, he's an interesting player because everyone I talk to about him say there, there's a, a serious talent there. Um, they don't think he's an out-and-out finisher. They actually think he's better as a provider of chances, which is ironic given the one thing that Brighton need is someone to finish rather than provide chances. They're, they're, as, the, uh, as the people following their XG statistics uh, in detail will, will tell you, they, they were the most creative, but um, relative to efficiency in, in front of goal, the, one of the worst teams in the Premier League last season. And, and Nunez um, followed a similar path in that he had more assists than goals as centre-forward for uh, for Benfica. Um, two elements which I think are, are important here is he's had a serious uh, knee injury um, early in his career. And last season... Um, suffered another knee injury, um, played through that injury with uh, with Benfica's medical staff assessing it and deciding that uh, it wasn't a serious problem. And then at the end of the season, had another knee operation. Um, the briefing was that it would be rapid recovery, but currently uh, the expectation is he won't be back until October. So Brighton must have real certainty over this deal if they're prepared to sign a player who's who has been out um, with that, that kind of knee problem twice and would not be able to take a, a proper medical at present before the end of the window. Another thing that's been said about him is he, he's he's quite an emotional player um, and if he starts well for the team, then he can go on a run and, and perform at the, the top of abilities. But if he struggles at the beginning of a period, then it could work out very badly. So the, there's two kind of warning signs on that one. Um, the benefit, of course, with with Nunez is Benfica need to bring money in, um, desperately trying to sell quite a lot of their players to various European clubs. Um, and his salary demands are significantly less than Odson Edward. Um, Edward, uh, I understand, is looking for £85,000 per week, um, which is would make him by some margin the best paid player at Brighton. would have repercussions for the for salary amounts at the rest of the, the club. Um, so 
there are complications either way. Um, but what we know is that Brighton need to get a centre forward in and are, are working hard on that. Also, um, looking at left back where um, they've made a substantial offer to Getafe for Mark Cucurella, um, 23-year-old who they signed from Barcelona last summer. Um, I told that that offer was for 14 million euros guaranteed plus another 4 million in what are described as achievable bonuses rejected by Getafe. Um, the Getafe president, Angel Torres, insisting that he will only let Cucurella go if the full 18 million euro release clause is met. Um, which, of course, puts Brighton in a, in a position where uh, should they choose to go down a certain strategy and they, they decide that Cucurella is absolutely the player they want at left back, that they could uh, trigger that uh, release clause in the final day of the window and, and, and get a bit of revenge on Getafe for, uh, for being so difficult to negotiate with and that they leave them without their, uh, without their first choice left back and very little time to replace. Brighton fans, Duncan, have a reputation for being uh, clever and quirky with regards to their chance. Uh, I don't think they're going to have much trouble with uh, Cucurella, uh, given the 70s dance craze, uh, for those of you who might remember the Cucaracha, uh, and the fact that uh, that would be quite an easy one for them uh, to extrapolate and uh, make into a chance should he arrive at the club. Uh just uh, to finish off in terms of news, Duncan, um, and you have again broken this story uh, and that uh, is about Celtic looking for a replacement for Odson Edward, despite the fact that they have yet to sell Edward. Uh, and uh, the um, Eredivisie's top scorer, Chakumakis, has been heavily linked uh, with the uh, Glasgow club. Uh, with um, Werder Bremen also interested in signing him. Um, developments yesterday, uh, as far as your information uh, is concerned? Yeah, Celtic, um, as we reported in the in the Daily Record yesterday, have agreed a, a transfer fee with Venlo. Um, two and a half million euros, a plus a sell-on clause in the, in the Dutch club's favour. Um, they, I'm told, push very hard to get that through. Um, they reduced Venlo's asking price um, and, and wanted to accelerate the deal to stop um, Yakimakis going to Werder Bremen, um, who he met, um, travelled to Germany to speak to earlier in, in the week. Um, Celtic interestingly have offered less money than, than Bremen um, interestingly because Bremen are in the second division of the Bundesliga having, having been relegated last season and I think it's it's a measure of um, Celtic's attempt to uh, to reduce their uh, their wage bill that uh, they're offering less than a second division Bundesliga club for a player who was the top scorer in the Eredivisie last season um, 26 goals in 30 matches uh, for a team that were relegated and finished one point off the bottom of the table it was quite an guess return. Um, could tell you, er earned himself a, a quite a substantial performance bonus for finishing 
as the the leading scorer because he'd had uh, written into his contract when he signed for Venlo a, a year ago that he he would get um, an extra amount on his salary should he finish as leading scorer, which I'm sure Venlo were not expecting uh, to be uh, activated and certainly not activated in penalties, the same Duncan? season they got relegated. Did he, did, did he, he take penalties? He does take penalties. He's very good uh, at converting see, penalties. Um, Honestly, it's that's the that's the the worst nightmare for any chairman or club owner <laughs> if they include a a bonus clause in a player's contract for scoring goals, who then takes penalties. Eight penalties he scored, but he actually he finished the leading scorer with seven more than Daniel Malin. Um, uh, no, who scored fair, 19, fair um, who was subsequently sold to Dortmund for thirty million euros. So uh, it it's. If if you want to watch uh, Yakamakis' abilities as a finisher, um, go on YouTube and have a look and you'll see that he scores all kinds of goals with both feet. Um, very good in the air, actually very good uh, receiving the ball in the air and in defensive situations and, and a, a strong tackler, um, good, good in the high press, which obviously is a system that Ange Postacoglu uses at Celtic. Um, so you can see why Postacoglu has contacted the player direct to try and convince him to come. Um, the problem Celtic have is that Werder Bremen, having seen that the, the fee was agreed, have now come back and agreed with Venlo that they will match Celtic's offer for the player. Um, so it's down to Celtic to uh, to convince Yakumakis that they're the better club to go to and um and I think probably that will require them to uh, to improve the the financial package, given that Bremen are are offering more money as a as a second tier club, and given that look, there's a number of players in Celtic squad who are substantially better paid than the the numbers that they're they're proposing to uh, Yakumakis at present. Well, at two point five million euros, I might make an offer from myself or a five a side team. Um, I'm not sure what he's asking for in salary, but <laughs> at one game a week, maybe we can persuade him. Um, <laughs> but but if you do, you won't let him take the penalties. We all know that. He's not getting a scoring bonus, that's for sure. I actually thought um, that that had gone out of fashion for, for precisely the reason that free kicks and penalties were always hoarded uh, by strikers who had a goal-scoring bonus. And um, as far as I... I know most players do not have that clause in their contract. So, um, as you said, probably the reason Giacomacchus had it was because Venlo had probably absolutely no consideration that he would achieve it, and then he did. So, um, there we go. That's uh, uh, a little bit of uh, an unusual situation uh, in modern European football. I'm pleased to say that we are uh, returning the donkey, which has been missing for the last couple of weeks, to the podcast. Um, and uh, Duncan, we are going to um, dedicate or indeed nominate this uh, particular um, golden statue as the Dominic Rab, who of course is the UK's foreign secretary, uh, who... Uh, basically was on a beach in Crete uh, and did not make a phone call to the Afghan foreign minister about the impending fall of Kabul to the Taliban. Uh, it did remind Duncan and I of some situations in the past when football players 
were on the beach when perhaps they should have been somewhere else. Uh, and uh, so therefore we're going to have the Dominic Rab Award for being on the beach when, in fact, you should have been doing your job. Um, let me just open up the um, golden envelope, Duncan. Here we go. It was a bit rustly this week. It was because we haven't awarded the donkey for a while. There we go. And the nominations uh, are one Harry Kane uh, for being on the beach in the Bahamas and then in Florida for a week longer than apparently he was supposed to be. Although um, I have to say in mitigation that he was staying at two of Joe Lewis's, the Tottenham owner's resorts at the time. So you would kind of think that perhaps Joe might have known that his star striker uh, was actually on holiday um, for that extra week, even though uh, it was claimed uh, that he had been uh, late back for pre-season training and indeed has yet to make an appearance for the club, of course, uh, also under the... Um, auspices of the bid from Manchester City as well. So Harry Kane is our first nomination. Our second is an old favourite. You will all appreciate it because we never tire here at the Transfer Window podcast of bringing it up. But set your watch, uh, get your Timex out. And uh, when Neymar's sister's birthday comes around, you know that Neymar will be injured and it'll be on the Copacabana with his sister, during Mardi Gras every year. Amazing with the uh, sheer synchronicity of how uh, Neymar manages to pull that one off. And uh, thirdly, uh, Carlos Tevez, who we mentioned earlier in the pod, his refusal to come on to the pitch uh, against Bayern Munich in the Champions League match uh, for Manchester City and then uh, heading off to the beach afterwards. Duncan, I think I think it's neck and neck here in terms of, you know, who wins this one. But obviously the donkey is a very prestigious award. So I will leave it to you to make your judgment. Um, well, ruling out Harry Kane because the, the brief from his camp was that the, the extended holiday was, was from the, was with the permission of Tottenham Hotspur. And, and in fact, he's uh, upset that the club hasn't clarified that to date and, and that information you passed on about Joe Lewis's resorts would certainly support the, the Kane argument. It is a bit of a giveaway, isn't it? <laughs> um, Neymar, again, like in normal circumstances, you give it to Neymar, but I think what you've got to factor in here is that this is done with the authority of, of Qatar and, and uh, um, they're prepared to pay that much money for a player of his status and uh, give him the latitude to Oh, hang on, he did it at Barcelona as well, Duncan. (laughs) It's not just PSG when he's disappeared. Well, in this case, he has permission, so that excludes him from the the award, whereas Carlos Tevez on the bench, refusing to come on uh, during a match and then disappearing off to Argentina for a substantial period of time uh, when he was... Uh, the highest paid player at, at Manchester City 
um, I think that's the clear winner. He gets the Dominic Rab Award and um, maybe we can arrange for the two to meet. That would be an interesting conversation. It certainly would be. I remember um, Graham Zunas at the time who was uh, commenting or certainly an, an analyst on that game absolutely tearing strips off him and saying he should be sacked immediately and never play for City again. Um, and uh, thinking to myself, well, therein lies a true Scotsman <laughs> who believes that you should turn up for your work <laughs> no matter what happens. So... Uh, well done, Carlos Tevez. I believe that is your first donkey. Um, obviously, we hope it won't be your last because uh, you um, are someone who we do like to talk about uh, in the moments that we have, uh, despite the fact you've kind of disappeared back to South America. But um, we shall indeed revisit, I'm sure, your career in the future. As for now, that has been the second podcast of this week for the transfer window. Please uh, engage with us on our social media channels, which are at Transfer Podcast on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Duncan is on at Duncan Castles. I'm at Garbo SJ. You can find it on YouTube. Just search Transfer Window Podcast. We will be back next week. Uh, and of course, it's exciting because it will be into the final few days of the window. And of course, we'll be bringing the news before it becomes news, as well as avoiding cheap imitations. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Be well. And thanks for listening.